So like, <laughs> is it the 13th or it's the 14th? I don't oh, I don't even, it's the 14th, but <laughs> by this time this episode airs, it'll officially be like our year anniversary Fuck for yeah. the podcast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Doing it. We're doing year. it. Oh, We're doing it. Are you excited? Are you? She's got snot in her nose. That's fine. You got snot in Babushka's nose. I just looked over and Izzy was like licking her butthole and then- this is- this is my life. Anya is just sitting in her tree, and if Izzy gets that too close, thrones. yes, I'm sorry for prone. <laughs> and if anyone gets too close, she yells at you. Gross. But yeah, I do. I hear. I hear the purring. I don't think <laughs> the listener can hear. Probably not. Babushka is. Babushka crying. is crying up a storm. She's very actually. excited for our yeah. our year, our one year of podcasting. What? <laughs> Welcome to being a cat mom, Rachel. I mean, you know this. I'm a cat mom, but my cats are, I don't know, they're like, they groom themselves. <laughs> wow, Babushka, you should leave. She's being rude today. <laughs> I was at um, other Rachel's house yesterday. I um, almost said her last name, but I probably shouldn't do that on the podcast. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. I know she listens. Hi. Um, and you know me. What did I do when I was Made friends with the one pet that was there. With all the pets. Oh, there were many. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so um, Bella was there, and of course, Kenobi in there. Oh, you were average tough father. Took a minute to click. Yeah, no, we, we did D&D then. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> first, like, one point. Oh, that was Bella that you had the picture yes. of. That's why I knew that cat. Was yeah. Isn't she pretty? Yeah. She's beautiful. She's, she's a this beautiful calico cat. When I went over to her house to watch Loki, that cat and I were like BFF. She's so she's sweet. <laughs> um, it was funny because because she sneezed and it was really Oh, it's gross. Oh, it's just, just projectiles. <laughs> and Ron was just like, ew, it's all over you. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> That's probably what she said. Where he what said, said. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's not fun. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> Anytime I go anywhere and there are animals, if I'm socializing, I am at home in my element surrounded by animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. I always go say hi to the dog before I say hi to the people. Yeah. Or like the cat or whatever. Yeah. I had a moment I was sitting on the stairs. I had Bella and then Belle came down. Um, and then their their new puppy, like a year old oh, Jenga. Yeah. He came up, so I was like, I'm Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I spent the night at their house because my apartment was doing them. Yeah. Those checks that I had to keep my cat somewhere. And I can't just like throw my cat somewhere because Jasmine needs insulin. So like I spent the night and <laughs> Josh comes downstairs and I'm in a an inflatable bed in the living room and I'm just all all of the cats, like all of them are on the bed with me. And he's just like, what the fuck? And I was like, I am mother of cats. <laughs> But yeah, well, you are not listening to a podcast about cats. No. Nope. <laughs> you are listening to Difficult Damsels. This is a podcast about badass women from history. 
That's cat. That's Rachel. Jesus, you had to do that when I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <Rude>. <laughs> And yeah, welcome to our, I mean, by the time this is out, it'll officially be a year. So I guess our year, year anniversary episode. Hell yeah. And, um. Was that our year technically last one because it was the intro? Yeah. Like our official year? Yeah. I don't really count the intro though. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, we've been doing it for a year now, essentially. Oh, yeah. I know. Weird. I mean, I like it. Sometimes, like, there are some weeks where I'm like, a whole year has gone by in a week because it's just dragging. Oh my god, yeah. And then you realize what time it is or what the day is. What is happening? <laughs> um, and we're we're in Phoenix, and it it's boggling my mind because like, what is the temperature right now? It is. It is so hot outside. Okay, it's only 86. Only. But it feels it's gross. It's mid-November, I though. mean. Like, calm down, <laughs> Phoenix. Calm down, Jesus. Oh, I mean, that's fair. Well, it is hot and gross, and I hate it. Yeah, I just, just, we don't, we don't get a lot of, of cold weather here, so when we're supposed to have cold weather no, months, I would like sweater we want weather. cold weather months. I want to wear my tights and, like, my knee-high boots. <laughs> With my cute dresses I've got. I just realized that I don't have any, like, cute boots anymore. Like, I mean, I do, but, like, they're all healed. And I, like, haven't worn heels since COVID. Let's go boot shopping. Uh, I don't have money. I know. Whatever. <laughs> I really shouldn't. Hold on. <laughs> oh, we'll go boot shopping. Never mind. All right. Well, this is episode 26. <laughs> We're off the random tangent. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna get into this. This is a, this is a really cool story. Uh, so, okay, so episode twenty six is the pirate queen of the South China Sea. Fuck okay. yeah, Ching Shi. Oh, I thought you were saying Ching Shi on yourself. I was like, I didn't say anything. That was. <laughs> so when most people think of pirates, they think of names like Blackbeard, Henry Morgan, aka Captain Morgan, and Queen Elizabeth the First's very own private or privateer, Sir Francis Drake. But it might surprise you. We think of Grady. Yes. <laughs> it might surprise you to learn, though, that the most successful and equally ruthless pirate of all time, ever, period, to ever exist, oh was a woman by the name of Chin Shi. Hell yeah! Operating in the 1800s, Ching Shi would work her way up from the life of a sex worker to that of a ruthless and terrifyingly clever pirate leader. An absolute terror on the South China Sea, Ching Shi's sharp intelligence and keen business mind led her to take charge of one of the largest known pirate fleets in history, earning her the moniker of Pirate Queen of the South China Sea. Hell yeah! I'm so excited for you to tell me the moment that she, that she was like, fuck this as a sex worker, and then was like, I'll be a pirate. That sounds fun. It's gonna be in like two sentences. <laughs> oh, okay, great! <laughs> I'm here for it. Pretty early. Yeah, but before we get into that, a little bit of historical context for the era. So from 1789 to 1799. Okay, yeah. If I'm paying attention to that, 1775. 1775, I want to give it away. What about 1789 to 1799? You stopped doing this to me. I'm not actually a history nerd like you are. What, what big revolution happened? That's what the American Revolution. No,
you can't be in America and be like, what else happened? I'm like, I don't know. Well, this is for the world. Okay, so. Stop asking me questions. 1796. The first smallpox vaccination is administered after smallpox kills approximately 400,000 Europeans each year during the 18th century. Well, that's insane. I think it's more insane of the fact that there were so many left after that number. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah. There's a lot of humans in the world. There's, yeah, too many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From 1796 to 1804, the White Lotus Rebellion against the Manchu Dynasty in China occurs. In 1808, Beethoven composes the Fifth Symphony. In 1813, Jane Austen publishes Pride and Prejudice. Hell yes! From 1816 to 1828, Shaka Zulu's kingdom becomes the largest in South Africa. In 1818, Mary Shelley publishes Frankenstein. In 1820, this marks the year of the discovery of Antarctica. Ah, that's fun. I'm like, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not Look, much longer. Ice. 1842, anesthesia is used for the first time. And then general for this whole time period. So there's lots of war everywhere. Lots of war, lots of colonialism and expansionism from Britain and the United States. During this period, we also see the decline of the Ottoman Empire in the Middle East, and the Napoleonic Wars occur in France. And then, oh yeah, Mozart is also doing this thing. Oh yeah! So that's your historical context for this time period. We're going to ignore Europe and the United States, and we're going to head over to Asia. So we're going to focus on China. That's fine. <laughs> Somebody has to. <laughs> so um, I have to warn you ahead of time. The three main characters in this story all kind of have the same name. It's like you picked these on purpose. <laughs> She's like, give me all of so, the stories with everyone with the same exact fucking name and we'll be fine. And they're all like romantically involved with each other. What? So, okay, here we go. I'm gonna, <laughs> everyone can see my face. I'm going to explain now. some of this. Okay, so, that's great. I'm glad you're going to do that. So we don't actually know what name Ching Shi was born with. Okay. Ching Shi technically means the widow of Ching. Well, it's kind of <laughs> like you have to think of it like know. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Is that the name you went with? Anderson. <laughs> no, no, like wife of blah blah blah. Mrs. Blah blah blah. Yeah. So okay. we don't we don't actually know what name she was born with. Um, and if you look her up online. <laughs> If you look it up online, um, you get a couple of different names for her. So there's Ching Yi Sao, Shi Yang, Shi, I think it's Yanggu, and then, um, like I was saying, Ching Yi Sao technically translates to Ching Yi's widow. Okay. So that's the only thing we know with absolute certainty when it comes to her name. She was a widow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we will go with Ching Shi for the okay. purpose of this. And I'm always going to use the Shi at the end so you can um, differentiate her from Ching Yi. Three other people. And there's another Ching. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, no official birth records for her. We know she was born. There's, yeah, there's no way it worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Obviously, she was born because she existed. Now, Ching Shi was born in 1775 in the Guangdong province of China during the Qing Dynasty. Um, fun fact, the Qing Dynasty will be the last imperial dynasty of China. I think what? 
I was talking to Andrew yesterday, mm -hmm. and he mentioned China is called China because of the Qing Dynasty. Well, shit. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's absolutely certain. Like Google Andrew it. has fun facts. He does. He has like the best random facts. It's mine. Like <laughs> that's, he used to do trivia nights. Oh. Um, and yeah, he used to do trivia. So nights. I've never played trivia with Andrew. No, no, I'm play so it with bad him at... on your team. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm so bad at trivia. <laughs> Remember when we would have our huddles um, at work? Oh, yeah. And he would always come up with like a random that's fact. True. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> or he'd know all the fucking answers. And you're like, out. <laughs> Sorry for that tangent, Sorry. but there you go. <laughs> if you look at your map, Guangdong is a coastal province in southeast China. Then, yes, we have maps. We'll include them online. Because it's a red area? Yes. And this, the sea, obviously, the small wet sea, that's where Qingxi operated. Okay. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I like it a little. Like, her fingers are dancing and pointing, and it's really great. <laughs> so Qingxi came from the humblest of means, as the Guangdong province was incredibly impoverished at the time. Similar to many young women of the time, she entered into sex work at approximately the age of 13 to help her family out financially. That is fucking terrible. Yes. I'm not saying sex work is terrible. I'm saying sex work at 13 is terrible. <laughs> well, and the fact that, that if you have after. so many mouths to feed that you yeah. actually have to help your family, yeah, like, make ends meet. Yeah. Yes. That's really bad. The most common form of prostitution at the time in the Guangdong province were floating brothels that operated out of the Cantonese port cities. Oh my god, that's interesting. <laughs> yes, so they were known as the Canton flower boats, and they would typically pick up customers like in port cities and then sail them up and down the coast. Well, we have a picture of the flower boat, and it's because they they used that was part of the like art the filigree almost. Yes, yeah, the yeah. filigree. Thank I you. thought it was. I thought you were gonna say it's because they were deflowering women. I was like, that's disgusting. No, no, no. Right, that's my mind. Dark. <laughs> it's you usually get dark here. It's it's dark, but it's it's accurate. I'm yeah. sure like oh, this, this is really pretty a virgin quote unquote would go for a higher price unfortunately. Yeah, they would. But yeah, they were called the flower boats because they had the filigree, like the yes. perfect word. I couldn't yes. think of it. <laughs> we'll include that picture online as well. Indeed. Now, in addition to catering to the carnal desires of the flesh. These clandestine party boats also consisted of music, dancing, and opium for which a patron could take part in. Supposedly, the prevailing belief during this time period was also that the rocking of the boat oh, helped to stimulate sexual <laughs> I mean, desire. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> Now, there's another reason for um, these flower boats. So, it's believed Ching Shi might have been a Tonka, which means boat people. And it was an, or it is an ethnic group in southern China that traditionally lives on boats. They have historically been considered outcasts of the Chinese society, and they are referred to um, as sea gypsies by both the Chinese and the British. I want to be a sea gypsy. Well, it's it's used as a derogatory. But term. don't care. I want to be a sea gypsy. He, not if you're going to get treated the way they get treated. Oh, okay. <laughs> but. <laughs> This is the part you would like. The Tonka, basically, they have these whole entire floating villages on the sea. And it's like a water world. Kind so of. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> kind of. Um, and they, the, this group still exists, but they are, like, each generation more and more are going on land. Oh. So from what I understand, it's, it's slowly dying, but they are still there. 
So the Tonka had formed a separate class of sex workers that operated out of the Pearl River, and they were for forbidden to marry land-dwelling Chinese people. So this is the part where they're they're truly like, um, so what are you looking for? Outcasts. Yeah, they're they're not treated well. Yeah. Um, during the Qing Dynasty, they were also barred from ever settling on shore, and they were considered a lesser class of China. Yeah, not great. Why would you? Why would you prevent them from marrying they someone who lived on land if you don't want them to live on the sea? They can't live on land if you don't want them. They want them to stay on the sea. Oh. They consider them like almost as if they were less than human. Yeah, great. Now Ching Shi was said to be a striking beauty, and in no time she had earned quite the reputation for her hospitality and quickly climbed the social ladder at her place of employment and likely became a madam fairly early in her sojourn. <laughs> now, she must have been charismatic because it wasn't long before she was attracting high-profile clients, some of whom were wealthy merchants, royal courtiers, and military commanders. So as you can imagine, she was essentially bumping boots with some of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the area. <laughs> and in time, Ching Shi saw there was an advantage to be had here. Yeah. In addition to being beautiful and charismatic, Ching Shi was incredibly shrewd and intelligent. The intimate nature of her work and the high-profile clientele she'd been attracting put her in a unique position of power. Ching Shi realized men were especially talkative when their inhibitions were loosened. And so she became an expert at extracting information through pillow talks. I'm going to do a stroke that ego and they'll just fucking <laughs> open their mouth. You stroke something. Something gets stroked eventually. <laughs> now, as someone who made a living trading in various sexual favors, Ching Shi also learned there was a great deal of power involved in trading the information she collected from her customers. In time, she turned that information back around and began to offer those secrets to the highest bidder as well as offer her own advice to those willing to pay for it. All right. Wouldn't that... Man, I put you in a pickle, though, for you Um, not if you're Ching Shi. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if you're sharing, if you're turning around and sharing those secrets, someone's going to find out. Well, by becoming a madam with all this business savvy, and she's already kind of gaining a reputation for being a little bit ruthless, She's already starting to acquire her own sort of unofficial pirate following. Yes, she's got an entourage. <laughs> <laughs> and then, in 1801, Ching Shi ends up meeting a pirate commander named Ching Yi. Now, there are a couple of versions of this story. Some say Ching Yi encountered Ching Shi in the Cantonese port and was instantaneously enthralled by her beauty. In another story, Ching Yi deliberately sought out Ching Shi due to her growing reputation as a savvy businesswoman. Whether or not Ching Yi's interest in her was due to sheer infatuation or strictly motivated by the intent to forge a strong business union is entirely dependent on the listener's penchant for romanticism. I personally think it's a little bit of both. Why can't it be? Either way, he ends up visiting one of the floating brothels she worked at, and if the stories are to be believed, he proposed to her almost immediately upon meeting her. Now, either Ching Shi was shrewd enough to understand that marriage often relegated women to that of trophy status, or she sensed she'd be able to ply Ching Yi to her will thanks to his obvious infatuation with her. Yeah, he's 
She ends up telling him that she will only marry him if he grants her a 50% share of all the monetary gains of his business and control over portions of his pirate pool. Yes! <laughs> She's like, I marry you, but... And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and Chen Yi ends up agreeing, and Ching Shi secures her position with an official written contract, and she makes sure that witnesses are present to view its signing. Damn, girl! So it's basically a reverse prenup. I love it! <laughs> I mean, that's a prenup prenup. That's a prenup. <laughs> well, that's like, a prenup would normally be like, my money is my money. And she's saying in our contract, no, your money is my money. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prenups, you divide, you divide it. You no, divide uh, it yeah, I mean, a, in the prenup, the person prenup. with the money is usually like, you can have this much and nothing else. Yeah. Or if I die, you get nothing or whatever it yeah. is. Like, my money is not accessible to you. Yeah. And Shang Shi was like, no, but then. <laughs> not only is your money accessible to me, but I will make you wealthier. Yes. <laughs> now, historians have debated the validity of this story, with some suggesting that Cheng Yi never showed up in person to the floating brothel, but instead commanded his men to physically abduct Cheng Shi and force her to marry him. Um, that's another. That was a real quick 180. <laughs> I'm just saying, some people no, say that story's not true. Yeah. But I, I think we'll go with. But of course, it can't be true because a woman can't be smarter than a man, exactly. Rachel. Exactly. That's, that's, that's where I'm like. Those he can't people... have been. Uh, what's the word? He can't have been. Thank you. Thank you. He can't have been. Thank you. Thank you. He can't have been. Thank you. Now, who exactly was the man that she was marrying? So Chin Yi comes from a long legacy of pirates that stretched back hundreds of years, and at the time, he was not the only pirate in his family. His father and brother were both involved with piracy along with his cousin. This is very much a family business for the Ching family. In addition to piracy, Chin Yi also made a vast fortune as a privateer during the Taesun Rebellion in Vietnam. Do you know what a privateer is? Someone who's like not really a pirate, but a pirate? It's <laughs> actually very close. So um, they're basically maritime mercenaries. So yeah. private citizens that own ships could be commissioned by a sovereign leader. Did Queen Elizabeth have a bunch of privateers? That's who, yeah, one of the yeah. most famous pirates is. is it was her guy yeah. that she commissioned her dude. to do piracy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't be a pirate under my reign unless I hire you. And then <laughs> unless sure, you are a pirate for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they're basically private citizens commissioned during wartime. The fact that see. Yeah. Gotcha. So Ching Yi was... <laughs> now, they suck. <laughs> really, so is this. Yeah. Um, in this area, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be very careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ching Yi was commissioned by leaders of the rebellion to harass trading routes in the South China Sea and disrupt supply lines for the imperial government in Vietnam. And he wasn't the only commissioned pirate either. Um, that will come in handy a little later. Okay. One last thing we need to know about Ching Yi. He apparently kidnapped a 15-year-old Tonka boy named no. Cheng Po. Stop. Who had been the son of a fisherman. What the fuck? Why? Now the story of him kidnapping her doesn't seem too offended, but like... Um, she... there's gonna be another person he kidnapped. I, what the fuck, dude? He's a pirate. Yeah, but he can't... Oh, he kidnapped people. <laughs> I know they do. What they do. I know. <laughs> That is literally what pirates do. No, they just take booty, Rachel. They don't take <laughs> actual booty. <laughs> they, they take both. So, oh, no. 
Although initially forced into the work, Cheng Po had his own aptitude for piracy and thus quickly rose in the ranks of Cheng Yi's fleet. In time, Cheng Yi ends up adopting him, formally naming him as his heir. I kidnapped you, but like, you want to be my son? <laughs> yes. Weird. <laughs> um, it gets weirder. No. And I'm not going to say why until later. <laughs> because it's Did a spoiler. Why? Why what? Why did he kidnap him? Did he just say, like, look, a boy and kidnap it? Like... <laughs> Uh, from what I understand, Did fishermen piss him off. Or what? Chang Po, uh, I mean, they, they basically, if you were a fisherman, this you you're in, you're face to face with pirates all the time. That's fine. You don't. He it's saw fine. something in him, and I I'm not gonna go into too much detail on that right now. But <laughs> anyway, I'm scared. Chang Po is named as his legal heir. Okay. Weird story. <laughs> So, you know, I'll give you one reason. One reason I've seen is that Cheng Yi and Cheng Shi um, were not able to have any children of their own at the time. Mm. So by adopting a full-grown adult, it would not have been too strange. Yeah, they don't have to have an heir. They don't have to worry about the formative years when they cry for both times. This is why I don't get this, guys. <laughs> In case anyone's wondering. <laughs> yes. I already have a cat that cries 24-7. I don't need but again, it's, there's another reason that I'm not going to get into right now. We're going to come back to it later. Okay. Just okay. remember the name Ching Po. So it turns out Ching Shi ended up running a very tight ship. Pun intended. <laughs> Joseph! <laughs> Prior to Ching Shi joining her husband's crew, there had been several pirate fleets running around the South China Sea. As one might expect, this would have involved quite a bit of pirate infighting. Now, part of this was due to the fact that the Taesun Dynasty, which was established after the Taesun Rebellion, eventually fell to the Nguyen Dynasty in Vietnam. So with their operations in Vietnam now obsolete, they returned to the Guangdong province and began to compete for turf amongst themselves. But not long after Ching Shi joined her husband's enterprise, they arranged for the leaders of the various independent fleets to meet at a summit to discuss the state of the fleets. A pirate summit? Yes, <laughs> they have a pirate <laughs> summit! Now I'm just thinking pirates are doing Yes, yes. <laughs> it is exactly like that. But in this meeting, Mr. Ching should have been at the front of that table. Because oh. they are the most, her and her husband are the most powerful pirates. Yes. So anyway, okay, getting ahead of the Sorry, summit. We got excited. <laughs> we got excited about pirates. You're exactly right. You made the connection. Um, I'm brain sometimes. <laughs> the top item on the agenda for discussion was the common enemy they all shared, and this was the Chinese Navy. So rather than fight amongst themselves, Ching Shi suggested it would be to the benefit of all pirate crews if they formed an alliance and agreed to aid one another whenever the Chinese Navy involved itself in their affairs. The fact that one person actually Which has was to, like, Well, yeah. But the fact that one person actually has to, like, come out and say that, like, y'all don't just, like, have that if it's Think about, like, oh. it's also a woman, like, because yeah. it's is a man. Well, now they're just going to turn down the idea just because it's a woman. Oh, really? No. Oh, my God. They're better than the Romans already. <laughs> so the Chinese Navy was not the only organization posing a nuisance to the pirate fleets. The Portuguese Navy was also active in the South China Sea as they had established a colony on the mainland of China called Macau. It's in the Guangdong province. It's on the left side of the Pearl River. Oh, okay. You can't see it, but that's where it is. Okay. What was it called? Macau. Oh, okay. 
Now, the Portuguese Navy was a common foe for both the Chinese Navy and the pirates. Um, so just, again, keep them kind of in the background. Who are they again? The Portuguese Navy. Okay. Sorry. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a foreign Navy that's also posing an issue to the pirates. Or I should say the pirates are posing an issue. Yeah, I like that away first. <laughs> Another random fact about Macau, it remained a Portuguese colony in China for 400 years and was only dissolved in 1999. Oh, that's crazy to think about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the ultimate goal of the summit was to form an alliance among the fleets. And so it is here that the Pirate Confederation of the South China Sea was formed. And you can thank Ching Shi for that. Pirate yes, <laughs> she's badass. That's she's fantastic. Do they have scratching hats and pins and, well, and like collectors hats? There are no collectors hats, but but one of the new rules established was that each fleet would fly their own colored flags to help identify themselves. So, of the seven pirate leaders that had gathered for the summit, six agreed to join the alliance. So, these fleets are. The red flag fleet, the black flag fleet, the white flag fleet, the green flag fleet, the blue flag fleet, and the yellow flag fleet. So you can like junior high when you play um, capture the flag. <laughs> well, there you go. You can pick a color now. Great. So the strongest fleet, boasting a total of 30,000 crew members and hundreds of ships, was the red flag fleet. And this is the fleet of Chingyi and Shangxi. Um, but after this summit, Ching Yi is named the leader of the entire confederation. Because again, they have the most the, powerful. Yeah. Team. Yeah. That makes sense. That's fair. Plus, they had the idea, so kind of. Uh, yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, my she, idea. I guess Like, this is an alliance that y'all are underestimating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise anybody. No, not at all. <laughs> That's why we picked them. <laughs> we picked her. So Ching Shi also drafted up a new code of laws for the Red Flag Fleet to adhere to, and this may have extended to the rest of the Pirate Confederation as well. So some of them included the following. Any pirate that gave unauthorized orders from Ching Shi or Ching Yi or refused to carry out orders given to them were executed on the spot. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, they're pirates, so ruthlessness is gonna get worse. Oh, no. <laughs> Any treasure or loot that was confiscated during the raids would be presented to the whole crew for inspection. If it turned out that any crew member was skimming some of the treasure for themselves, they could expect to have a limb or another body part lopped oh, off. No. The severity of the chop depended entirely on the severity of the crime. And I don't like that. So the way um, the way the the booty worked. <laughs> You can't make solid eye contact with me when you say that. <laughs> so the way it worked, I believe, was that whatever pirate crew was able to loot, they would keep 20% and then 80% would go to the the pot, the collection, yeah. so that none of the pirates would struggle if they were having a hard time. Um, some of the worst punishments were re were reserved for the mutineers and the deserters, which included quartering and mutilation. <laughs> and here's I love how you say mutilation, like chopping up a limb or yeah. other limbs. Are is it mutilation? <laughs> well, it's, I'm sure it's more just like carving. It's, it's not great. <laughs> here's where I think the code of laws gets interesting. Female captives were expected to be treated with respect. They were segregated based on looks and status. Any female captive considered to be too weak 
unattractive wow. or found to be pregnant was released back to the village she had been captured from. Released back in the wild? <laughs> I'd be released back in the wild. They're like, get this off. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> attractive female captives were held for ransom. Now, male crew members were also completely forbidden from having sex with female captives as well, and this included both rape and consensual sex, as both were considered grievous offenses. Women that were captured from villages were not to be harmed in any way or harassed under any circumstances. They were given separate quarters, and any crew member that was found guilty of rape or committing adultery with one of the female captives was executed on the spot. I like that they make that distinction, even though... That distinction doesn't need to be made simply because it's probably not consensual if they are captives, but yeah. you have the, the guys who intimidate them to saying that it's consensual, so they make that distinction. Well, so this is one thing they said. If you do want to be with one of the female crew members, you have it has to be a consensual crew marriage. Or no, the crew members. Like, yeah. Oh, you, they're basically like, you are allowed to marry them if they agree to it. But that's it. Otherwise, do not touch them or you will die. Now, those that proved to be loyal and honest crew members could count on being rewarded greatly, and thus served as examples of what good behavior could get you in the fleet. And as it turns out, the reforms Ching Shi put in place helped the fleet to thrive and grow exponentially. You need a gold star for your good yes. <laughs> yes! You need a gold star with, like, an actual chest of gold. <laughs> oh, that gold star. Oh, we got fucking stickers in elementary school. What the hell? <laughs> Now, when Ching Shi first joined her husband's enterprise, they had 200 ships. In only a couple of months, that number will grow to 1,800. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Now, in addition to economic reforms and a new code of laws that Ching put into place, the growth of their fleet was also due to political reasons. Chen Yi had initially been a commander under his cousin Cheng Qi's fleet. Um, but a year into their marriage, Ching Yi's cousin is captured by the Vietnamese forces and executed. And mm -hmm. so Ching Yi took over his cousin's fleet as well. Uh -huh. um, so this beautiful love story we've been talking about between Ching Yi and Ching Shi, I regret to inform you no, that not all good things can last. <laughs> and in 1807, tragedy strikes Ching Yi when he is swept overboard during a typhoon off the coast of Vietnam. So sad. But they sail in storms all the time. I know. It's kind of a thing. I literally like hate being out on the lake when there's like white caps. I'm just like, and then So this all occurs approximately six years into their marriage. That sucks. Now, there has never been a consensus among historians as to whether his death was an accident or not, but naturally some point the finger <laughs> she was the wave. <laughs> at Ching Shi, suggesting she was responsible for him falling overboard. Oh, of course, she inherited all this shit, and now she's in charge of the fucking confederation of pirates! So, to be fair, no. <laughs> the events that follow in the immediate aftermath of Ching Yi's death don't exactly shed a great light on her. She's like, he's dead. What, what, what so am let's I going to do about it? What am I going to do about let's it? Let's find he's out what dead. she does about it. All right, let's find out. <laughs> I'm all here for her. I'm like, girl, I got you. So as you would expect, there was an internal power, <laughs> a power struggle among the leaders of the various fleets in the Confederation as to who would take Ching Yi's place. Ching Yi's like, uh. Ching Shi. Ching Shi. It's like, uh, me, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, so she acts immediately. She takes control over her husband's operation so that no one within her own fleet can usurp it from her. And then she reaches out to her late husband's closest allies, 
securing the no the loyalty. The loyalty. <laughs> securing the loyalty of his nephews and cousins who operated smaller fleets of their own. Jing Shi was also already friends with the leader of the Black Flag Fleet, which was the second largest fleet in the Confederation, and she secures his support as well. Yeah. Um, random aside. Oh, no. <laughs> so the leader of the Black Flag Fleet, his name was, I believe, um, Guao Padai. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't practice it. with comments. <laughs> Guao Padai. <laughs> um, he had allegedly also been abducted by Ching Yi at a young age and forced into piracy. So it's a thing he did. This dude has like a weird obsession with young boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to get into Oh, no. Um, anyways. No. <laughs> so, I don't like that foreshadowing. The logic. Comment. <laughs> The logic behind her actions was that she had already been serving side by side with her husband this whole time. Ching Yi's family and allies knew her very well and knew she was the brains behind the operation anyway, so it wasn't difficult to secure their loyalty. But the last and perhaps most important piece of this hostile takeover involved Chang Po. You remember that 15-year-old boy that Ching Yi kidnapped? First kidnapping? Yeah, his, his heir, his adopted son. Well, oh, he is now in command of the Red Flag Fleet, and he immediately sided with Ching Shi as well. Oh, good. Um, but this, this, turn dark. Oh, this is where it gets weird. Oh, and strange. No. So, no. So. Cheng Po likely would have been her biggest competition because of Ching Yi, because as Ching Yi's official heir, this meant he inherited command of the Red Flag Fleet. But fortunately for Ching Shi, the two of them were already very close. Like very, 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 nice. very, very, very nice. skin on skin close. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, fun. I mean, <laughs> so he ends up proving to be her staunchest ally and pledges himself to her immediately. Having secured the loyalty of the most important people, Ching Shi is able to assume control of the entire pirate confederation in under two weeks. Fuck yes. And literally at the same time, she and Cheng Po openly enter into a sexual relationship with one another. Oh, okay. That's the key phrase. Um, we're not done. Oh, so, no. <laughs> if the stories are be are to be believed, Cheng Shi and Cheng Po may very well have been intimate before Cheng Yi died. Yeah. Um, so we have several different versions of this relationship. Some of them suggest that Cheng Shi and Cheng Yi had trouble producing children, as we mentioned. So in these stories, Cheng Shi is the one that convinces her late husband to formally adopt Cheng Po. Um, and when this all occurs, when they're openly together, just so you know, Cheng Po is approximately 24 years old and Cheng Shi is around the age of 32. So it's not weird. It's kind of weird. It's <laughs> definitely weird, but not an age. <laughs> so there's also another fun story as to why Cheng Yi kidnapped Cheng Po. So yeah. this one suggests that Cheng Po and Cheng Yi were also lovers. And, okay. it, and some of the articles suggest that the three of them were even engaged in a menage a trois before Ching Yi's death as well. That's fun. I mean, if it's all consensual, yeah, if it's all consensual, great. Have happy. So, following Ching Shi's ascension as the undisputed pirate leader of the Confederation, she seeks out the leaders of the other fleets that had attempted to take control for themselves and oh. has them executed as traitors to the fleet. Shit, girl. These executions were conducted in public to serve as an example for what would happen to any would-be usurpers in the future. Yeah, don't fuck with her. That's what that said. Hello. Yep. 
And um, the code of laws were updated again after this. So the execution for anyone found guilty of treason involved being hacked to death on the spot, regardless of their rank in the fleet. Hacked to death. Yeah, that's not that great. That's not, that not, not great. great. No. <laughs> These are pirates. I know, but... <laughs> It would also be observed that while Chang Po had control over the Red Fleet specifically, he still obeyed Chang Shi's orders to the letter and always consulted her before enacting his own orders. Oh, yeah, because she's got more experience than he does. Yes. So that makes sense. Plus, I, I, the impression I get is he was completely besotted with her. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would be too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I too am <laughs> completely besotted with her. I would never get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh. <laughs> when I die, it's gonna be weird. Any ship that refused would be boarded, and then their goods plundered, whether they liked it or not. Uh, that sounds <laughs> creepy. <laughs> One way or another, oh. Ching Shi collected that tax. Now, as you might expect, the current power in China, which was the Qing Dynasty, was not pleased with the increasing power and control that the, that the Pirate Confederation had over the South China Sea. They should have been afraid when you heard the name Pirate Confederation. They confederated. What? That's yes. not real. I, no. I mean, <laughs> they probably didn't call themselves the Pirate Confederation, but that's what they were. Yeah. So now they're starting to no notice, oh, these guys are When they came together, together they yeah. unionized. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Do they have reps? I'm just asking. Basically, what the Chinese Navy does is it coordinates efforts within the Navy. <laughs> to confront and defeat the Red Flag Fleet and put an end to their stranglehold on the sea. I'm really proud of you for getting the Red Flag Fleet every time because, like, I struggle curious. <laughs> yeah. The Red Flag Fleet. Practiced it. <laughs> red Flag Fleet, Red Flag Fleet, Red Flag Fleet, Red Flag Fleet, Red Flag Fleet! I did it! That was only four. Red Flag Fleet. Ah! <laughs> Cheng Po ends up luring one of the naval brigade generals of the Chinese Navy into an ambush and ends up destroying a fleet of 35 ships outside the city of Shenzhen. That's no bueno. So were they outright attacking the Navy or just responding when the Navy attacked them? I think at this point they're probably, if they, they see him, head. Yeah, yeah, if they see him, they're going for him. They're... Ching Shi is almost as powerful as the Emperor on the sea at this point. Ooh, that's dangerous to be. Yes. Emperors are jealous. Yeah, yes. By nature. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, no. <laughs> Does he want to marry her? No. <laughs> no. Everything always happens with a marriage. Come on. Not this time. Oh, no. <laughs> the Chinese Navy then engages Cheng Po in another sea battle a month later and suffers another humiliating loss in a matter of hours. Oh. These two naval engagements alone result in the Chinese Navy losing half their fleet. <laughs> Sorry. It's not a very good Navy, then. No. <laughs> and with this defeat, the Pirate Confederation gains access to the mouth of the Pearl River. Sounds appropriate. <laughs> yeah, no, kidding. It just, it basically means they can kind of go upriver now and, like, yeah. start raiding along those coastal yeah, fishing villages. Yeah, because there's not a lot of opposition. You can't get caught in the river. Yep, exactly. In another shining example of Ching Shi's shrewd intelligence, she also offers amnesty to all crew members that had been captured from the Chinese naval fleet, so long oh. as they pledge to join up with the Red Flag fleet. So not only so does... not that loyal. No. Okay. <laughs> but not only does she destroy half the Chinese naval fleet, she also absorbs some of them into her ever-growing fleet. But could you trust people that you take from a... That could just do that? 
I would imagine at this time period, you're you're just kind of like, as long as I live, I don't care where yeah, I go. Yeah. Loyalty's not a thing. It's all about survival. That's true. And she's going to make you rich. You're only loyal. You're going to make a lot of money with her. If you're up in the ranks. You're not loyal if you're back. Yeah, oh, that's true. true. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good point, Tan. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Pirate Confederation was as powerful and dangerous as it was large, in part because of how coordinated it was under Ching Shi's command. In 1809, the Chinese naval commander Sun Guanmo, I think, <laughs> Guanmo, ends up, we're to call him Sun, it's easier for me, he ends up engaging a small group of pirates near, is it Sun or Sun? It might be soon. Soon. We'll go soon. I mean, I'm, I don't speak Chinese. I'm gonna go with soon. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he engages a small group of pirates near the Wanshan Island with 100 ships. Um, in the story, I want you to think of Soon as, remember the British naval commander in Pirates of the Caribbean that was in love with Kira Knightley? Yes. He's not in love with Chinchi, throw that out, but I want you to think of him as that dude. He's obsessed with capturing him, maybe? Yeah, and just, he's he's the big foe. Okay. He's the one constantly trying to get Jack Sparrow, and Jack Sparrow just magically disappears every time. He disappears every time. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Think of soon as that. The pirates end up reaching out to Ching Shi for aid, and she responds by bringing two of the six fleets of the Pirate Confederation with her. It's Norrington, by the way. Thank you. So soon, soon is the Norrington of our story. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now, taking command of the Red Flag Fleet and the White Flag Fleet, she ends up splitting up their forces in ambushes Soon's fleet. Chang Po takes the fleet head-on with ten of his ships, his lieutenants end up flanking Soon's fleets on both sides, and then the leader of the White Flag fleet takes up the rear of Soon's fleet with his ships to prevent Soon from retreating. Dude, you just got surrounded. And then we're told that in the heat of battle, oh, no. Chang Shi charges in with her own personal fleet to root Soon out, and they end up defeating him and force him to flee. Can you imagine just like no. all these pirate ships just surrounding you? How terrifying that would be. <laughs> I will join your fleet. This is how I die. This is a new ship for you. You are welcome. <laughs> would they take him though, or would they kill? I feel like they would kill him. They'd yeah. probably kill him. Yeah. yeah. Kill him. On July twenty first of eighteen o nine, Ching Shi and the Pirate Confederation end up suffering their first major blow when the commander of the White Flag Fleet is killed by Chinese naval forces, and is pretty much the whole fleet is destroyed. So that Ouch. is that is one blow to them. One blow after like five other blows from. But, uh, oh, so. Oh no. Uh, yeah, this only seems to enrage Chin Chi because it is oh, not shit. long after this defeat that she orders a massive raid throughout the entire Guangdong province in retribution. She's like, You want to take one of mine? Watch me take all of yours. So this ends up being another coordinated raid involving the Red Flag Fleet, the Black Flag Fleet, and Ching Shi leading her own personal fleet around the Guangdong province. And they basically just terrorize the entire region. So she, does she become the White Flag Fleet? The new? No, Denver? it's just gone. Oh. <laughs> um, by the end of the campaign, approximately 10,000 people are killed during this raid. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's not great They're advice. not great people. No. No. <laughs> We do not pirates, condone pirates. Pirates have been romanticized to the point of where we root yes. for them, and then you hear that, and you're like, shit. You're like, oh yeah, they oh, yeah. killed a lot of people. They're terrible. They killed, maimed, and raped a lot of people. I guess these guys didn't rape, but still. 
they, yeah, that's the one mean, good thing, I guess. Yeah, but <laughs> they did kidnap 15 year old boys and then make them their heirs. Yeah, that's weird. Now, this violent, <laughs> this violent song and dance continues for the next couple of months. The entire time the Chinese Navy is chasing after them, but it's very much a cat and mouse game that the Imperial Navy has no answer to. Ching Shi is just completely impossible to contain. Damn. Yeah. She is chaos unleashed. It's pretty much a lost cause for the Chinese Navy at this point because they continually suffer defeat after defeat at the hands of Chin Shi. And on October 21st, 1809, Soon is defeated yet again by Chang Po outside the town of Xuan. Yeah, you can believe what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they keep, they keep oh. trying to get new fleets. Yes, maybe stop. <laughs> So if you think the Chinese emperor would be enraged at the idea of a woman completely humiliating his navy yeah. and controlling the wealth and resources of a large portion of land and sea in South China, you would be correct. Mm -hmm. So the Jiaqing emperor, he's, he's not happy at all. And one of the first things he tries to do is kind of what Ching Shi did. He offers an amnesty to all pirates who wish to surrender within the Red Flag fleet in hopes that they would jump ship and abandon Jing Shi. That sounds like a trap. But they they don't. I mean, yeah, but yeah. I'm sure it sounds like a trap. trap. Like, <laughs> when this doesn't work, the emperor turns to external sources for aid. Here's the thing. Jing Shi and the pirate confederation she commanded weren't just harassing the Chinese Navy and locals along the southeastern coast of China. Anyone that happened to cross into her waters felt the weight of her wrath. The Portuguese Navy also found themselves becoming increasingly familiar with Ching Shi as they were currently in control of the colony of Macau, which we already talked about. Now, the Jiaoqing Emperor did not want to have to reach out to the Portuguese Navy. They were technically invaders of his own territory and largely considered barbarians by the native Chinese people. To reach out to them likely would have required the Emperor to swallow his pride. But this is exactly what he does. Because huh. again, he has he, he doesn't really, have pride left. <laughs> he doesn't have any other answer for Ching Shi, so he needs help. <laughs> and the Portuguese were all too happy to help because at one point one of their own governors had been captured by Ching Shi's personal fleet. Oh, no. So sometime in November of 1809, Ching Shi left the Pearl River with a couple of ships and ends up anchoring down in Tung Chung Bay for repairs. So this is the kind of her mistake, she only takes a few ships with her. Okay. When the Portuguese Navy learns that she is anchored with only a couple of ships, they send a small fleet of ships to block her in the bay and harass her ships. So she's trapped now. She's Cleopatra and Mark Antony in the bay with Octavian <laughs> blocking them in. <laughs> Ching Shi oh. ends up reaching out to Cheng Po for aid, but by the time he shows up outside of Tung Chung Bay with the Red Flag fleet, the Portuguese ships are miraculously just gone. How weird. <laughs> and he apparently thinks this is not suspicious at all because he decides to anchor the entire fleet in the bay for repairs as well. Fuck on. Well, he's thinking, I have the whole fleet with me, we'll be fine. Yeah, but you never docked your whole fleet in one spot. Um, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Sorry. Just saying. A couple of days later, six Portuguese ships appear at the mouth of the bay once more and form a blockade to prevent Ching Shi and Chang Po from escaping. Two weeks later, Whoa. 
93 ships from the Chinese Navy join up with the Portuguese blockade. That's not a fun sight to see if you were. Yeah. And this Ching is led, led by our old friend Soon. So Ching Shi and the rest of the pirate fleet were not about to just throw down their arms and surrender. And they do make several attempts to engage the combined Chinese and Portuguese fleet. But due to unfavorable winds, they are mostly unsuccessful and they're kind of stuck in a stalemate. Yeah, you're stuck in the bay because you brought your entire fucking fleet into the bay! (laughs) But in time, Soon grows increasingly impatient with the fact that he is unable to coax the Red Flag fleet into a naval fight, and he ends up converting 43 of his ships into fire ships. What? So this, this involves emptying the ships of the majority of their crew and valuables and replacing them with gunpowder and combustible objects with the intent to set them ablaze. Yeah. So the fire ships are set adrift towards the pirates, 43 fire ships. That's problematic. In the pigeons for In Chung Chung Bay, yes. But, but the pirates end up diverting several of the flaming ships to the shoreline where they are able to extinguish the flames and break the ships apart for fire. They're like in the water, like swapping them Here's the best fire. Yeah, water blowing You're going to love this. Oh, no. At one point, the winds shift in the favor of the pirates, and two of the fire no. ships drift back towards <sighs> Soon's fleet and sets two of their own ships on fire. God damn it! <laughs> and in the chaos that followed this disaster, oh, no. Ching Shi and Cheng Po took advantage of the confusion and made a beeline straight through the blockade, yes. aided by the new fair, favorable wind they had. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> and they end up escaping into the South China Sea. <laughs> She's just going by on her ship like... Flip it on the bird, like, in the air. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's, like, trying to put out the fire on <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Swinging! In this whole debacle, not a single ship was lost on the side of the Red Flag Fleet. Oh, my God. The Chinese Naval Fleet loses three. The Chinese Naval Fleet literally just defeated plus, themselves. Plus the 43 they found. You guys just defeated yourselves. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's embarrassing. My favorite thing I read, I was just like, poor Sue. At he what point do you just like give up and you're like, no, I'm clearly not made for the fucking sea. I think at this point, Soon's just like, he's got his tail between. Can I can I be a commander on land, please? I, I clearly like don't know what I'm doing. It's not working. <laughs> now, even though Chang Po and Chang Shi were able to escape the blockade, it seems their luck had officially run out from that point on. Well, yeah, I feel like you should be like a little more cautious after you got trapped like that. Well, on top of that, they have requested aid from the leader of the Black Flag fleet, and oh, no. he's conspicuously absent during the, during the blockade. Oh, no. And it turns out that in 1810, he officially turns cloak and abdicates his position as the leader of the Black Flag fleet in favor of surrendering to Chinese forces. Oh, so he And he is rewarded with the rank of sub-lieutenant in the Chinese Navy. The British end up joining the side of the Portuguese and Chinese coalition as well and agreed to send a couple of ships to help patrol the South China Sea and the Pearl River. In the end, it is a man by the name of Bai Ling that ends up putting an end to the decades-long domination of Ching Shi in the South China Sea. Yeah. <laughs> so Bai Ling had been the viceroy of Ling Wang. I love that name or that word, viceroy. I love that, that name too. I'm just thinking that. 
Um, you can think of him as the main naval commander of the entire Chinese Navy in the South China Sea. Okay. So he's probably like, all right, soon, like, get on the way. You clearly suck at this. Let the big boys step up. <laughs> big guns are coming in. Bai Ling had considerable success in boarding piracy in the past, thanks to the extensive training of his militia and the embargoes he would put in place to help cut off supply lines for the Pirate Confederation. He is also probably the only competent person on the side of the Chinese Navy. Oh, good. We get one of those now. <laughs> yes. So sensing the end is near and already acknowledging that her fleet was slowly being chipped away by Biling's coalition of Chinese, Portuguese, and British naval forces, takes three of them to take to take on this pirate confederation. <laughs> Ching Shi agreed to meet with Biling to negotiate a surrender. Uh-oh. On February 21st, 1810, Ching Shi and Chang Po treated with Bai Ling on Chang Po's flagship. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, <laughs> the negotiations don't go very well. What? I'm surprised. <laughs> Ching Shi is first and foremost a businesswoman. She had initially made a name for herself by climbing the ranks of the Cantonese floating brothels and becoming a madam herself and then negotiated half the fleet of her would-be husband before she agreed to marry him. Yeah, she's not going to take, like, minimum scrappings. Yeah, Ching Shi <laughs> did not get anywhere in this life by simply accepting what was asked of her. She was a woman of iron will and made sure any deal she partook in was favorable to her. I'm sure they came at her with, like, the most ridiculous, yeah. like, subpar negotiations, and she's like, let me know when you want to come back and, like, actually talk negotiations. I, this is bullshit. From from what I've heard, like back when Ching Yi was alive, mm -hmm. Ching Yi was the like the face of everything, the yeah. one that talked to everybody, and then Ching Shi was just in the background, like stone faced, and people were terrified of her. Oh yeah, but she's, sure he was like the silver tongue, and then she was just like the fucking. She was up, just like, like she's gonna kill us if we do anything wrong. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like she's literally the attack dog right now. <laughs> Why is she looking at me? <laughs> So, yeah, it, it didn't matter that they were negotiating for her surrender. She still intended to come out with the advantage by the end of it. Yeah. So the plan had been to have Ching Shi and Cheng Po renounce piracy and surrender their fleet before joining the Chinese salt trade and participating in the Chinese Navy's anti-pirate campaign in western Guangdong. Ching Shi wanted to retain 80 ships and 5,000 crew members before she agreed to the surrender. But Biling was like, I think the fuck not. Yeah, no, I'm not leaving you with 80 ships to fucking grow into 1,800 <laughs> ships and then come at me again. That's not how this works. You're dangerous with ships, ma'am. <laughs> no ships for you. No ships for you. <laughs> so the negotiations remained deadlocked for nearly two months before Ching Shi decided to take matters into her own hands. She ends up taking a small delegation of 17 women and children with her to the capital of the Guangdong province, where she met with Bai Ling once more to negotiate the terms of surrender again. Why did she get women and children? I'm sure is that was a hostage situation. I feel like it. it was probably a power move of hers to be like, "We're women and children, but um, Or it was like, "I don't need men to save me from you." Also, that yeah, I I feel like I am she, she motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> On April twentieth. 1810, Ching Shi and Chang Po formally surrendered to Bai Ling. The entire crew of the Red Flag Fleet surrendered as well, which included 17,000 pirates, Whoa. 226 ships, 1,315 cannons, and 2,798 assorted weapons. 
Ching Shi personally surrendered 24 ships and 1,433 pirates that were under her personal command. Pirates were like, why are you being, what the fuck? Well, here's the thing. In exchange for the surrender, all pirates were offered amnesty, including Ching Shi and Ching Po. The emperor allowed all pirates to retain the loot they had acquired over the years, so long as they agreed to refrain from engaging in piracy going forward. So they (laughs) they get to keep that's a good deal, yeah, and they're not punished. That's good. Several of the surrendering pirates were also offered jobs within the Qing Dynasty government. All right. So yeah, she she did good. Made out like a literal (laughs) bandit. (laughs) Is that what that is now? One of the stipulations Ching Shi negotiated for their surrender was the right to officially marry Chang Po, and this request was granted. Uh, Again, another of the stories I heard was basically like the emperor wanted them to bow to him. She was like, the only way I will bow is as Chang Po's wife. Nice. I was going to say, she graced O'Malley and was like, nah. (laughs) I'm in charge of my confederation. You are in charge of I think she did. I think once they were granted the... She did. Yeah. Cheng Po was offered a position within the Navy operating out of the Guangdong area and allowed to retain his own private fleet of 20 to 30 ships. Why was he allowed to retain a small fleet of his own, you may ask? His wife, Mad Dog, filing. <laughs> well, so part of the condition for his surrender was that he would have a newly formed role within the Chinese Navy, and the purpose of that was to hunt down the few remnants left of the Red Flag fleet that <sighs> refused to surrender. That sucks. So he officially also jump ship and he works with the Chinese Navy um, in their own anti-piracy campaign. Well, they're very opportunistic. They're going to do whatever they can to come out on top. Yeah. Chen Po's skill earns him several accolades within the Chinese Navy for the next decade. Well, because he's the one guy with skill in the Navy now. (laughs) But he ends up dying at sea in 1822. Chen Po was 36 years old when he died. What? And Ching Shi is nowhere near, so it's oh. not her fault. Oh, okay. There's no Ching Shi wave coming out of her? No. <laughs> apparently it was another storm, but it's not oh, a Ching Shi storm. She's like, I actually control the weather, motherfucker. <laughs> I was going to say that we know of. <laughs> She's a witch. Ching Shi officially retired from piracy at the age of 35, likely as the most powerful and profitable pirate to have ever existed. But she does not stay idle for very long. She ends up using all the wealth she acquired during her life as a pirate and ends up opening a small network of brothels along with a gambling house in the province of Guangdong that ends up acquiring its own seedy reputation. How interesting that she goes back to that. It, it comes full circle. Yeah, yeah, how interesting. Ching Shi may have renounced maritime piracy on the open sea, but she does not fully abandon her clandestine enterprises and continues to grow all the richer for it. Although the first half of her life was marked by incredible violence, much of which she was responsible for herself, (laughs) Ching Shi will end up spending the next 30 years or so living a life of extreme comfort and relative peace. She ends up dying in her sleep at the age of 69. Despite being responsible for what likely amounted to thousands of deaths and completely embarrassing the Chinese Navy, leading them on a wild goose chase for the better part of a decade, Ching Shi retired from her life of piracy relatively unscathed. She is never punished for a single crime. That's pretty rad. Even though she was one of the most ruthless pirates in recorded history, her entrepreneurial 
and resilient spirit meant that Ching Shi got to enjoy a relatively peaceful ending to her story. It was a credit to her own intelligence and resourcefulness that she was able to maneuver her way out of a life of sexual exploitation and into one that afforded her considerable freedom, wealth, and control over her own destiny. And she managed to do this in a culture deeply entrenched in a patriarchy that would have gladly kept a boot on her neck if it had its way. Yeah. In the end, it was Ching Shi's boot that would have the last say. And that's the story of Ching Shi. Yes. Is this her? Because that's the best mad dog I've ever That seen. is from Pirates of the Caribbean. But if you look at all the other pictures, so that the character of um, Mistress Chang is based on Ching Shi. Oh, that's cool. That's her. That's oh, a photograph of her. Isn't she? She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And then, um, oh my god, were their flags or were their sails actually red like that? Yes. Oh my god, that's beautiful. Yes, that's I why they were called the sleeves. Okay. On top of everything else, I would like a ship with red sails. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, scroll up. That's another picture of her as a pirate. Hell yes. So we're so going on the 1800s and we get photographs. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like that was probably a poster. That's totally a coalition patch. Totally a coalition patch. She looks freaking badass. <laughs> she does. That's yeah. fantastic. So uh, we'll leave you with a couple of random facts about Ching Shi. So Ching Shi had two sons by Cheng Po named Ching Ying Shi and Ching Zhang Shi. <laughs> At the height of her power as the leader of the Pirate Confederation, Ching Shi commanded a total of 1,500 naval ships and approximately 180,000 crew members. Her personal fleet consisted of 300 ships, 1,000 smaller vessels, and 20,000 pirates that consisted of both men and women. Huh. Blackbeard, by comparison, commanded only four ships and 300 pirates. What? All of these other pirates oh, you've heard God. of, they come, they are nowhere in the same league as her. Uh, but she's a woman, so she can't have the accolades she needs. The well, deserves. oh. <laughs> so again, when most people think of pirates, they think of Blackbeard, Calico Jack, Sir Frank Francis Drake, with Ching Shi is a bit of an afterthought along the name along with the names of Grace O'Malley and Anne Bonny. But Ching Shi is largely believed to be the most successful pirate of all time by most sources. Get on your phone right now. Okay. Go to Google. Oh, I need to. Also, I want, I want when you say Francis Drake, Drake, Drake. Jesus Christ! When you say Francis Drake, all I think about is on church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's Elizabeth's man. Oh man. I want you to Google who was the most successful pirate of all time. Like the whole sentence. Yes. Who was the most successful? I spelled successful wrong. <laughs> of all time. Who comes up? Ah, it's Ching Shi. Fuck yeah! Yep. That's awesome. So yeah. You are pirates of the Caribbean or the Caribbean or however. Listener, you, say it. you can do this yourself, so you know I'm not just saying. Yeah, that. she ain't just saying that. Even if you spell success, successful wrong, it <laughs> <Yes>. still comes <laughs> up. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, my final note, we've already talked about it. Mistress Ching in Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is based on Ching Shi. Hell yes. But again, if the movie had been more accurate, she, she would have been in charge. She would have been at the, the seat at the end of the table. Yeah, that's Ching Shi. I love it. <laughs> my, um, my main sources for this were historyofyesterday.com, Ching Shi, a prostitute who became history's deadliest pirate, and that is definitely something I read when I was looking at the pictures before we started. And I was like, oh my God, here we are. 
Um, there were a couple of articles online. I used Wikipedia, of course. Of course. There's also atlasobscura.com. It has an article called The Chinese Female Pirate Who Commanded 80,000 Outlaws. And then there's thewayofthepirates.com, Qingxi, the Pirate Queen of China. Those were my sources yeah. for today's episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> so how did you hear about Qingxi? So I, I've been doing a bunch of like queens. Um, we did the poisoners. My, my whole idea for the next couple of episodes was the most deadliest woman nice. of all time. Um, and then the I was... Deadliest? <laughs> the deadliest women they are time. that deadly guys they need to. i just i wanted to we, we get all these stories about like crazy deadly men so i was like i wonder what's up this up so i i knew of julia Tafana, um love voicing came up and then i was like let's look up some more pirate queens because oh, yeah. i would like something a little different and she immediately came up you should have told me you were doing a pirate i would have done my notes on him why don't you do Anne Bonnie? And because my next episode is spoiler spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's gonna be another okay. Art queen. So go ahead and start Anne Bonnie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I mean, normally we would do is she more damsel or difficult? I thought we were gonna stop doing that because a lot of people are just difficult. So I, I think I've been thinking about that. Oh, okay. And I might in the future do some more dancely characters what? that have difficult moments, but their lives are tragedies. So in the future, unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> That's something to look forward to. <laughs> um, I was thinking about Mary Queen of Scots because she has some, oh, yeah. she has a, in any movie you see, you really only get like a small snippet of her life and it makes her look you get a piece of the cake and not the whole thing. It makes her look more difficult than she actually was. Her yeah. life is actually quite the tragedy. Yeah. Um, she has her moments, but mostly. She does. And the moment that is actually probably the most badass, but also, like, uh, <laughs> a lot of people skip over. So Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> tangent. Um. Yeah, she it's like, the epitome of difficult. Yeah. It, her closest dancehall moment is obviously... Her being Ching-Chi, guys. <laughs> yes. Is obviously Catch up <laughs> when she um entered into sex work at the age of 13. Yeah. And then she managed to just... I mean, that still could be considered difficult because... Oh, for sure. That's a tough... What she did with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, that's just a tough decision to make. And I'm sure she probably didn't have a whole lot of choices. I doubt she had any choices. Yeah. Yeah. That's her parents being like, we can't feed you, we need you to work. Yeah. And there's very few avenues for women in this time period to actually work pretty strong to survive that. Yes. (laughs) And then thrive in that environment. Yeah, and she did. Um, yeah, so she's difficult. She is directly responsible for a lot of deaths. Yeah. She challenged the established government of the time. Um, I don't remember what our other parameters were, but we can assume very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as difficult as she can be. Yes. But our random question that Kat came up with was, "What is?" A random thing about you most people probably don't know that you feel comfortable being vulnerable about. <laughs> Mine's, not, house. <laughs> Mine's not very vulnerable, but okay. um, I mean, it is because I don't like doing it in front of people. That's that's a weird setup there. Um, <laughs> what is the thing you speak of? Uh, <laughs> um, I like to sing. I don't think I've ever heard you sing. I've sung in the car, but the music's usually louder than me. Yeah, so. <laughs> you probably like. <laughs> well, I get really into it when I'm 
Yeah, right? <laughs> Lots of in this moment. Yes. But no, like, I, no, I, like, I really enjoyed the music, really like singing. Um, I sang in choir in high school. I didn't know that. Bit. For like a second. It wasn't that long. Oh, that's cool though. Was it high school or? It might have been junior high. I can't remember. And like then, in the Catholic choir? No, 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 in school. In school choir. Okay. And then I, um, I sang at my senior year talent show. Oh, what'd you sing? Yeah. Um, the song Go On, Leave Me Breathless by the chorus. Go on, leave me breathless. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. It was uh, it's funny because one of my friends we were talking about, he's like, yeah, I was like, I saw you on stage. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, Cat's up there. And he goes, and he's like, and he started singing. I was like, holy shit, Cat's up there. <laughs> so That's yeah, cool. Yeah. And then I we wanted, did try to do karaoke that one time. We did. And I cried. Because I, I was bad at it. I my, well, no one's good at karaoke. You're no, not supposed to be good at karaoke. I don't like not being good at things. I know. I'm kind of upset. But, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I sing to the cats all the time. That's how I comforted Anya. That's how I comforted Anya. But yeah, I also, on the same line as that, like, I really wanted to be one of those like actor singer combos when I grew up. Back when that was a thing. Back when that was a thing. <laughs> yep. What what kind of um, genre of acting? Um, like, thinking? like sci-fi, fantasy, that kind of oh, stuff. Like okay. I see movies I like Dune. Do I have to be letters? Basically, yeah. I see like productions, big giant productions like that, and make me like all that. But also, like I make money, so not much. But <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah. where the reality sets in. Of like, you have a dream, but you also have to pay bills. Yeah. Yeah. See, I always. I always wanted to um, sing in or play in uh, an Anastasia musical. Yes. That was always a thing. <laughs> so speaking of Lagertha, I've, I've been re-watching Vikings, and I just got to the scene where Lagertha takes over Cadigan. Fuck yeah. And when, um, it was so good. I, the one where she takes it from Oslog. Oslog, yeah. I, in, in re-watching it, like, I still don't like Oslog. No, but you feel for her. But the character is fantastic. Yeah. Like, they did, she, the actress is phenomenal. She's really good. She comes out with the sword and then she just throws it. Yeah. It's very Oslog and very Luggerthumb. Luggerthumb was like, you took everything from me. Of course yeah. I was going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Oslog was like, let me ask. Oh, she's so manipulative. But yeah. Come. But you let me go unscathed and unharmed. And Luggerthumb doesn't say yes. She just says, I understand. And then, Shoots her, shoots her in the back with an arrow. She deserves it though, honestly. And becomes the queen of Catechet. Yeah. And then she sits on the throne the next episode and I was like, ah! Which is so amazing. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, <is> random. <laughs> I had to share. Yeah, so what's your, what's your uh, thing that My random thing most people don't know is um, my outlet for socialization back in high school was role-playing online. And what that entailed was actually writing. So I did this for probably off and on about a decade. That's awesome. I was writing for about a decade with people. Um, I was actually a moderator on the boards. Huh. Yeah. I, that doesn't surprise anyone, honestly. <laughs> it, it, the Virgo me, was a moderator? <laughs> well, for me, I was especially like, I'm, I'm not big on conflict now. I think I'm getting better at it. But at the time, like, when they asked me, hey, we think you should be a moderator, I was like, am I really going to be good at this? Uh, are you sure? <laughs> but when conflict would come up, I would just go in there and be like, listen, this is not happening. Take it off the board. Sure, and, yeah, yeah, it worked. But um, 
I yeah, it's easier to be online, assertive online. Yeah, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> but yeah, I um, probably. So what we would do is we would. You could either role play as like a fandom, mm-hmm. so you could be there were supernatural games. You could have oh, cool. written as Dean or Castiel if you wanted. Cool. Um, but I preferred creating my own characters, obviously. Obviously. Like a writer. <laughs> and um, the the one game we called them that was very popular that I did was it was based on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It was set in the world, but it was set approximately a hundred years after the events of the books and show. Mm-hmm. And long before Game of Thrones season eight ever happened, um, I had said John and Daenerys would end up together because yes! it's a song of ice and fire. So the Targaryens were descended from them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously didn't happen in the show. Yeah, we're not talking about show. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I created this whole world and we, we used the houses that existed, but we had, because we had the history, mm-hmm. the characters were very enriching, um, had great stories, and we did that game for like a couple of years, and those characters became, the ones I created, became so important to me that that book, I'll, I don't know if I'll ever finish it, because I have time <laughs> now, I, I just changed the names and like updated the history, but I have this book in the works that's based on those characters. Is that... What I've read yeah. some of your stuff. Yes. yes. <laughs> I used yeah. to do. Sorry, I'm taking this. You're fine. Like <laughs> I used to do script reading too in oh, cool. uh, in um, high school. Yes, yeah. uh, with my friend Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Um, Hi, Lauren. I don't know you. I also sang at the Heart Walk with her. It scared the shit out of me because her mother was like, "You have to do all like your singing. You can't sing like like, like copy a voice. Like you, it has oh, to be karaoke essentially." Okay. Um, and yeah, I did that. And then yeah, the script reading was a lot of fun. I miss script reading. Um, I miss we we did a, a film class, and we made a short film. I have no idea where it is. I'm trying to find it. It was called Jit Them. Jit Them. It was awesome. But um, I have a short film out there somewhere too. Um, start because I I wrote and directed. It was for film. Yes, I was, I was a film major. Yeah. So it was for film school, and Whitney actually acted in it. Yeah, it's hilarious. I'll have to try to find it. <laughs> It's on my, YouTube uh, somewhere. My uh, it was an ROP class. My my ROP teacher was like, you should, you should um send this to like, uh, film. What are they called? Um, like festivals. Yeah, thank you. Like okay. film festivals around, yeah. and I was like, hmm, no, <laughs> no. At this point, like, if you were really interested in this, um, it's funny. You should talk with Whitney about that. She yeah. she is still doing like classes, and she does script reading too. Um. You can literally on your freaking iPhone record an audition and send it in. Yeah. 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 You so if anyone is them. out there that wants to act, just that's how Pedro Pascal got um, over in Martell on Game of Thrones. He literally recorded himself on an iPhone and sent it over. That's awesome. Yeah, and he sent it. I mean, you would send it to the casting director. They'll they'll have an open casting call out and then. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Just do the thing. Just do the <laughs> thing. My thing. You want to do it? Go do it. If it, it either will fail or succeed, but at least you know you tried. Yeah. You can't succeed at something you never tried yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, therapy triage. There it is. Here we go. Um, you have been listening to a difficult damsels. You can help us spread the word for our podcast by rating, reviewing, and especially subscribing. But mostly subscribing on whatever podcasting service you listen to, and word of mouth. Helps too. It does, indeed. I think a lot of our listeners are from 
They are, but I've I've been looking at our like um, stats. Mm-hmm. We've got we're starting to get other countries now. Yeah, We've got, like yeah. Canada, people from other countries, South Africa is on there. Somebody, yeah. so if you're there, hi. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. We have someone from Iceland too. I random countries are popping up now, so there's someone's fine. Check those more than I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm like obsessed. I'm like, I love it. <laughs> I want to make money. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for some badass women you would like us to cover you can reach out to us at difficult.damsels at gmail.com we're also on facebook and instagram uh just type in difficult damsels the podcast and you'll see our lovely picture yeah um, Hell yeah and we actually it was really cool we got someone this past oh, yeah. week we did uh julia the julia fauna and the Voisin, and a listener actually posted a really cool tattoo of of La Voisin. No, it was Tafana. It was Aqua Tafana. It was Aqua Tafana. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a really cool tattoo. It was on her shoulder. No, no, arm or something. Yeah, it, yeah, cool tattoo though. It was so, amazing. We posted it. If you have any tattoos of these women, we would absolutely yeah. love to see them, and yeah. we'll post them too. And if you get tattoos because you're inspired by our podcast, you oh hell also yeah, show us those. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you as always for listening and. Stay difficult. Hey, all you difficult damsels. Rachel and I just wanted to say we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, whether you are celebrating with friends or with family. Uh, Remember to set those healthy boundaries and stick by them no matter what. This is not a time to celebrate the murderous colonial bastards that kicked off the holiday, but a time instead for us to reflect on the things that we are thankful for. We, for one, are thankful for each and every listener who's joined us on our podcasting journey. Happy Thanksgiving, stay safe, and remember to always stay difficult. Honestly, stay difficult, in spite of the patriarchy.